WHO calls on leaders from government and industry to work together to phase out fossil fuels urgently and accelerate the transition to clean energy. This is it's it is the green gospel of the eugenicists at its finest. It's almost satirical at this point in our life to be able to watch this play out because 15, 20 years ago, people were throwing rocks at us saying, you know, you guys are a bunch of nut jobs and conspiracy theorists. And here we are living on the precipice of a time where the collective world leaders are describing a means with which to stop the world from breathing. Hey, guys, Sean from SGT Report here. Thank you so very much for coming on back to the show. That was our good friend Nathan Reynolds, and he's so right. These people want to destroy everything that's good and pure and God-given to us on this beautiful planet. They even want us to stop breathing, at least those of us who survive the depopulation agenda. Thanks so much for tuning in. Before we start this important broadcast, just a quick word about our sponsor. Just when you thought it was safe, interest rates spiked and new threats have come out of nowhere. Tensions are boiling from Asia to Europe and adapting to this turmoil is the key to safeguarding your wealth. Perhaps you've not considered gold before, but now is the time. It's insurance, and right now, you need some insurance. Noble Gold Investments has been protecting investors from disaster for years with precious metals. So if you're worried, it might be time to take a fresh look at gold and silver. Gold is a multi-century proven safe haven to shield your portfolio. And right now, Noble Gold Investments is offering a free three-ounce silver American virtue coin with its new IRAs this month. If you open your Noble Gold Investments IRA or 401k rollover right now, you can claim your coin today. Remember, crisis brews, gold insulates. Secure yourself and your portfolio against the threats. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com right now. noblegoldinvestments.com. It's the gold company I trust. Hey friends, welcome back. Thank you so very much for clicking play. It's Sean from SGT Report here. Guys, I have another very important broadcast with my new and hopefully someday my longtime friend, Nathan Reynolds. You know his website, snatchedfromtheflames.com. Nathan's working on a new one that by the time you're listening to this, it should be posted on his site. And that article is called Fighting Against the Fear. In that, and he sent it to me early, he talks about us being reduced to evolutionary beasts and that we have the right to overthrow these technocratic dictators because we must refuse to let them win their fruitless war. And that's what it is, a war based on their ancient hate. More on that as we get into this conversation. Nathan, welcome back. How are you, sir? Absolutely marvelous, Sean. Thanks for having me back. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for coming back. Now, I know simply because you told me an email, we haven't discussed this yet. We'll do it right here on the show. You have just encountered, maybe for the first time, maybe because you've been on my show, not sure, probably because you're telling the truth about a variety of topics. You're running into severe censorship over on YouTube and elsewhere. Tell us about this censorship. Uh, how strange a guy like you would experience censorship, Nathan. Well, you know, it is, it is, I've had a couple of videos in the past that have been taken down, but never so swiftly as recently. And you know what, Sean, it actually was one of our interviews that you and I did, the one that was called Wickedness in High Places that got struck down about a month ago when I went to post that up. And then ever since then, they have been striking down different interviews and shows that I've been doing and, and then gave me ultimately my first strike on YouTube. And I've been on YouTube for almost six years now posting very regularly and it's only i have over 460 channels that i put or videos that i've uploaded to that channel but recently there has just been an onslaught of censorship that i've encountered there also on tiktok as well in different places where it does seem to be a strangulation particularly around topics that you know whether it's medical misinformation in particular that seems to be the big squeeze for me right now but it surely has given me a totally different perspective for what it's like for those of you. Like I've talked to quite a few other content creators, a lot of other media hosts over the last six months here, and they have every one of them over certain courses of their life now have experienced what it's like to have that muzzle put on their mouth. And I assure you of this, it drove me to a place of deep frustration because I, whenever I find something like that taking place, to me, it is a giant spotlight that I am over the heart of the enemy. Whenever the fire gets the, the strongest, whenever we take the most amount of resistance from the enemy, we know that we are over their target and they are defending it with the greatest tenacity that they can have. And so for me, it drives me when persecution comes arise, it makes me want to sow the word more strategically. 
tragically. And you know what? That drove me back to the pen and the page where I haven't been writing for so long. I've been blogging for a good long while now for the past four or five years. But it made me realize that there's something very, very powerful about a single book. Why it's so powerful for us to be able to utilize this wonderful tool that we have while we have it. But we also must recognize and take steps of protective measures to know that these tools can be taken from us. We're beginning to see how they are coercively sewing in forms of control in so many different arenas. And and honestly, this the internet is the new form of it. Media for all intents and purposes, that's not that is original content creators. That is not driven by AI replicating other people's AI generated documents is going to become the last frontier of where original content is. And people are going to cry out for it. They're going to demand it because it's going to become a great greater scarcity as more people are willing to use these outlets of ease and convenience of these tools of these bots people are going to be recognizing a copy of a copy of a copy is ultimately going to get to a place where it is a ruined masterpiece it is something that is degraded to such an extent that it no longer reflects any creative essence of humanity and so we have an opportunity as content creators to put forth pertinent and relevant information to the best of our ability in a way that it's digestible and readily understood so i i appreciate you giving me an opportunity to come and do that here on your show and and for me if anything it instills in me a reinvigoration to pursue alternate forms of media to the best of our ability while we have that yeah and uh i apologize if being on this show has brought you that heat but you know i sometimes assume that everybody knows what happened to my channel on youtube back in october of 2020 do you know that story or should i share that real briefly with you i don't okay so if you can that would be helpful yeah so i had about seven hundred and sixty thousand subscribers on my main channel and about one hundred and fifty thousand subscribers on the backup channel Both channels were in good standing with zero community guideline strikes, and I had been on YouTube for a decade. And for about nine years of that decade, I was a YouTube partner in good standing, meaning I could have monetization, earn money, have ads, etc. Well, the YouTube partnership went away, and not long after, on around October 15th of 2020, on the back of a Media Matters for America hit piece, me and dozens and dozens and dozens of other good YouTubers in the truth space, the news space, were terminated without cause or warning. Now, one week later, for me and about a dozen others, there was another Media Matters for America hit piece, this time targeting Patreon, saying Patreon was allowing conspiracy nutcases to profit from their conspiracy theories, and therefore Patreon should do away with those folks. Again, Media Matters hit piece. What happened that very same day? Patreon terminated my account. So I think you might be experiencing some of the residue of just having a conversation with me. Now, let me give you one piece of advice, and I don't give it, you know what advice is worth. Take it with a grain of salt. Take it for what it's worth. If I were you at this point, I would use your YouTube channel to spark interest and tease whatever your content is for your new video, and then post that video in whole over on Rumble and BitChute. Just use the YouTube channel as an advertiser to get people to go to Rumble and BitChute and then leave those links below. That's one idea because you seem to be headed down the same path I was on. If you're too truthy on YouTube, they won't tolerate you, my friend. Truer words never spoken, you know, and that's absolutely what I'm, I'm going to be driving towards. I also am going to have all of my content still available through my website. So if any of those other mediums give me a trouble too, that we still have that available there. But it's wild to get to hear. I, I was talking to another content creator, uh, Emma, uh, on a show that's called The Imagination Podcast. Absolutely phenomenal show. And she likewise, during a similar time frame, had her entire channel with no strikes, anything else in good standing for years, had it completely eradicated out from under her overnight when she uploaded a video, hadn't even posted it or anything else. And uh, she has now spent another year trying to rebuild that platform and also uses many other things from Substack to these other channels because ultimately we've got to resist. And it reminds me of this story that's just inexplicably... The the reality is when persecution comes to people that have built their house on the truth, what it, what it does is it causes us to sow the word more broadly. It, it makes us persistent because the, when you've built your house on truth, when you've built your house on an absolute foundational uprightness, you know that you can take it anywhere and export it mightily. It will always bear good fruit. And at the end of the day, that is our job. No matter what level of persecution comes our way, that we have to keep driving on and keep getting the message out, getting the word out as effectively and as efficiently as we can. Well, that's right. And that's all we can do. And I want to do a screen share just to share this with folks. 
Texas, the Daily Wire, and the Federalist sue the U.S. State Department for conspiring with NewsGuard to censor American media companies. Now, just a little bit more background on what happened to me and so many others like X-22 Report, Red Pill 78, and others who were terminated without cause or reason back in October 2020, right before they stole that election and implanted the puppet. We tried to sue Google, and we raised more than $100,000 for attorneys to sue Google. Well, that got us nowhere because Google and YouTube specifically, is headquartered in California. You can imagine how judges feel about censorship in California. They love it. So at least this case you guys are seeing on my screen right here, at least these well-heeled organizations with deeper pockets than we are suing now the U.S. State Department. Because what we do know to be true, Nathan, is that a lot of this censorship is due to the collusion between fascist government and big tech. So it truly is fascism in the classic sense. Absolutely. And you see this fundamentally at the root of it is that the control of the media outlets and the, the the acquisition and the purchasing of the media outlets by these banking families early on in the last 19th century and the 20th century was the single driving force to collectively engineer a society in a different direction, to be able to engineer people's consent. Ultimately, this was something that was driven for most effectively from the pulpits and the printing press. Those were the two biggest platforms with which early on in the Americas that they had a way of controlling the thoughts, the minds, and the intentions, the souls of mankind. So people like Andrew Carnegie, this person was a very staunch atheist, well-known as an atheist, person, the founder of the, the Carnegie Foundation. He donated one of his tactics to get in to get in there on the influence on the churchianity side of the equation was to donate uh, an organ to every church. He's like, you know what? I'm just such a good charitable man. I'm going to give you all an organ. Well, there's this natural thing called reciprocity that people, when you give them something for free, there's an inclination, something of extreme value. We don't necessarily would think of it as the same way. This would be like somebody giving you an entire church building and funding it for five years. So naturally, there's this desire, well, why don't you just let one of our members sit on your board of directors? And slowly, there was this infiltration into the church and into the pulpits to where it began to steer them in a direction towards Unitarianism and acceptance and a lot of these dispensational ideologies that began to get infecting into the church, they began to possess the minds of men. And you see a similitude of that being brought in with these journals being purchased up and the media companies, a lot of the magazines that used to be the biggest and have the highest circulation, they began to go in and begin to buy those people out. And you see inherently, if you have, if you have autonomy to make money out of nothing, out of air, out of debt, out of blood, you, you have a magician who is ultimately able to conjure up the alchemist's desire to turn lead into gold. They're turning literal ones and zeros into power. And ultimately, that is what is driving so much of the, the fruitlessness of this kingdom that we're experiencing. Why there's such an effective tyrannical reign. Because like you said, they have in, centered in a single state an empire of control that is dictating the entire ideology of our life. And so much of what we're wrestling with today really is not a physical person. There's not, you can't go and lock up Google today. As much as you want to go and throw Google into court and YouTube into court, the truth is we are battling with an entity, with a literal spiritual entity, like a, like a, the Grigori, these, these watchers of old that have possessed this technology as a form of power, as a body of a medium to be able to control the masses and the machinations of mankind. And you and I are sitting here trying to trying to battle and wage a war against it. And you know what? It is by our votes. And I'm not talking about the ones you cast in the voting box that we can be most effective. I'm talking about what we give our time, our energy, our resources, our attention to, that we can choose to abstain from these tools that they have given us, from these products that are keeping us controlled and keeping us mundane and monotonized. Instead, we can fight deliberately and decisively to win against these people with one deliberate action at a time, one abstinence at a time. Yeah, that's very well said. And we can win. We must refuse to let them win their fruitless war because it is a fruitless war and they are embodying that ancient hate, right? That intelligent radical evil. And that is what we're waging war against. And so guys, stay tuned because in this conversation, I do want to get into the topic of money. What is money? What is constitutional money? As Christians, what kind of money should we be using? Because I know a lot of times when we talk about this topic, 
Some folks in the comment section below the videos will say to Ezekiel chapter 7, verse 19, they will throw their silver into the streets. I'll read the whole quote here later. But I don't think that verse is referring to me and you, dear listener, and your family, who's just trying to protect yourselves against inflation, hyperinflation, and the Rothschild fiat printing presses. I think Ezekiel 719 is referring to these central bankers and the Carnegies that infiltrated the churches and turned them into 501c3 charities, where if they want their charity status and they want their tax-exempt status, Nathan, they can't talk about politics. They don't dare speak above their breaths in condemnation of the Rothschild, Carnegie, Morgan printing presses. These same people, these banksters, have infiltrated the churches and made them tax exempt. So now the churches, they can't defend Christianity any longer in any real way. No, they've, in, in so, in no uncertain terms, this is the people like, are, there's so many of these passages in the scriptures that it's easy for people to get caught up in the, in the divide and conquer mentality that has been instilled upon us to think of the rich as people that have somewhat more than you currently do or have a basic means of income that's more than your current classes. What they're talking about so often in the scriptures is those who hoard up wealth, that they put their faith and their trust in their riches. And it's a very different heart mentality. It's the love for this money that is poisoning the soul. And those are two very distinct and different things. The, those that have stored up their wealth, like in the Vatican archives, like in the, the the decadence and the opulence that has been stored up in the Roman Catholic Empire over the eons or even in the dragon bloodlines and in the lee family there is there is generational wealth that is beyond your wildest imaginations the people that are going to be held accountable for that and those ultimately are going to be the ones who are going to literally crawl into the tunnels and the caves and the rocks and they're going to cry out to the mountains and say fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the one who is coming. That's who they're talking about there. The ones who had the power to give to men the wages that they were due, like Pharaoh in the days of old, who was using and exhorting their brothers. The Egyptians were extorting from the Israelites this slave labor. They were literally making them practice inurement where they're putting their children in the walls of the building, sacrificing their sons and daughters into the walls of the building to build it up. That is the blood money that has built this empire that we are standing on today. That is that is literally the human sacrifice of people who have literally taken their children and sacrificed them for their corporate careers so that they can go chase the almighty dollar because it has been overlooked and circumvented in their churches. Like one of my, my wife and I, when we first were really getting fired up and passionate about this stuff, we went to a really small little church that had a very active pro-life ministry. Like they were the they were one of the only churches in all of Colorado. This is in Denver, Colorado. They went to this place in Stapleton, Colorado, where it was the human infanticide center where they performed surgical abortions. And they had built the building into the shape of a ziggurat, like a Babylonian ziggurat. And upon the windows they had written pride. And we literally sat there with these people as as they sought to intercede for these these children, these unborn children, to be saved from murder, to try to defend the rights of these babies. And we saw cars with the bumper sticker from our church that we used to go to driving into this building to murder their children. And it was one of the most agonizing and brutal things to realize that the pastor that we had once looked to for advice, for counsel, for wisdom, had stayed silent on a topic for so long that he had given, by doing so, he had given the thumbs up for people to participate in something so wicked. But like you said, those constraints and the offerings of a 501c3 had given it them, had put a muzzle upon them that they're not allowed to speak about these certain things. And so because of that, if we want to continue to launder, at that point, they were doing millions of dollars a year. At this point, they're doing 26 to $30 million a year in donations that are funneling through that industry. And literally this blood money, that flows through the churches truly is the most egregious thing. Like when you want to go back into what, what the Messiah was most enraged at, like when he made a weapon, that's why I have this painting back here on my wall. It's like the reminder that there are certain things that are worth weapon making over. And one of them was the merchandising of mankind. That's why he braided a whip because they were taking his people and they were exploiting them and they were extorting them in the temple. They were taking from them their hard-earned labors, their wealth, true wealth, 
like you were trying to talk about, like what really is money? What is wealth? What is value? And for the last four and a half years, I have had to wrestle with this, this question because seven years ago, I made a decision to say no to blood money, to wealth, to estates, to an inheritance that could have set me up for life, but more importantly, to a phone book directory that could have gotten me the audience with anybody, that could have gotten me the avenue of of building a kingdom anywhere I wanted to go. But I said no to that because I knew inherently what had built that wealth was the literal devouring and consumption of the innocent generation after generation after generation that they had built their own blockchain of perverts who had secured the secrets of kings and commoners alike for generations. And because of that, they had compartmentalized and locked away so many people's identity, so many people's futures, so many people's hopes and dreams. And they had literally stolen that from them and exploited them and then taken that and used it against them. And so many of us are waking up and realizing we are slaves in this system. But you know what? I spent the last five years traveling around the country trying to find what what is a hardworking man what does he spend his time doing how is it that a man can save up an inheritance for his children and his children's children what does it look like to accrue wealth and wealth that is something that i believe fundamentally comes from many different places it comes from things like precious <clears throat> precious metals like you've talked about sean but i've also found that it's something that can come from land from the development of our soils from vineyards and orchards and fields and flocks and skills that these truly are wealth that has been stripped away from us. Our great grandparents knew how to fix something four generations back. They knew they were artisans. They were tradesmen. They had the skills of being able to read and understand and comprehend what it was they were taking in and be able to articulate that and communicate that with each other in such a powerful and profound way. And yet we have been debased. We have been stripped of the wealth of intellect. We have been stripped of the wealth of of wonder, of curiosity. And instead, we have been left in this poverty of spirit, poor and broken. But it says in this word, if we cry out to him, we ask for him to revive us according to his word. And so, so much of my life has been devoted to finding out how does wealth get accrued over a family sincerely? Like, what is clothing? According to the scripture, what is food? According to the scripture, what is powerful and valuable to the, to our creator? And what are the promises that he said, I will take care of you and provide these things to you like oil and wine and water and wool and linen and silk, these fine things and grain. Like these are the provisions that can come into your life and transform you like a mill, like a grinding stone. Like these, these were promises that were secured for us. That were the signs and the epitome of wealth. When a man walked through his vineyard. This was the embodiment with a hedge grown around it. I'm not talking about barbed wire fencing that you have to repair constantly. I'm talking about a deliberately cultivated hedge of trees that are grown together to forever create a barrier and a fence around you. These were wealth. These were things that fathers passed on to their sons. And yet in a few generations, we have seen a society of seducers come in and steal it from us and try to force us into a model of living that is truly tyrannical. 100%. They've engineered all of those old world values out of us. Nobody knows how to do anything anymore. In fact, boy, I didn't mean to bring this up, but I will just briefly. A 1985 Chevy pickup truck that my son bought. (laughs) He didn't have my consent to buy it. He's 17. He went with his older brother. He had saved his money. They bought this junker truck. They very much want to fix it. They're having trouble. So we tried to get mechanics involved. And nobody will touch this 1985 truck because it's got a carburetor. And none of these guys that work on cars now know how to work on carbureted trucks. I mean, they literally are all telling me this. Guy, mechanic after mechanic after mechanic said it's too old. We don't work on it anymore. I don't even have guys in the shop that know how to fix that vehicle. And those that do, they're all retired. You might want to go find one. So your point's very well taken. By the way, just an aside, and then we're going to get into this money thing. Have you heard of comedian Owen Benjamin? Are you familiar with him at all? Yes, I spoke at a conference with him uh, a few years ago down in Dallas, Texas. Okay, very, very bright, very intelligent. Maybe one of the most intelligent guys I've spoken with, uh, certainly, you know, in the top 5%. And he's living off the land with his family. And he talks about real wealth. By the way, this is a man who hates Bitcoin. And you and I are going to talk a little bit about Bitcoin in this conversation. Uh, But, you know, he's living off the land. He's got goats. He's got cows. He's got sheep. He's got, you know, children, three children now, I believe, with a lovely wife. 
And to him, that's all the wealth in the world. And I think he's right because he's learning those old ways. And they won't be able to steal that from him as easily as Jamie Dimon wants to steal from the people what this criminal government is about to steal from the people. So let me do a screen share. Then I want to play this clip between Jamie Dimon and that demon rat, Elizabeth Warren. So Ezekiel chapter 7, verse 19. They will throw their silver into the streets and their gold will be an unclean thing. Their silver and gold will not be able to save them in the day of the Lord's wrath. They will not satisfy their hunger or fill their stomachs with it, for it has made them stumble into sin. Now, I would make the argument, before I play this clip, I want your thoughts on this. I would make the argument that that verse is referring to those who love money, the people you were just talking about, the people who have hidden it all away in vaults, and those who have then bastardized our system of money with fiat money so that they can inflate it away and thereby steal our labor, literally making us slaves. So when I tell people, try to protect your family and your future with some physical silver, maybe a little bit of physical gold, get out of fiat paper, maybe take a look at Bitcoin, save yourself from the inflation that's coming because it can't be stopped at this point. In fact, it's being done on purpose. I don't think it's appropriate People can do whatever they want, but I don't take offense when people do this because I don't think I'm guilty. I don't love money. I just want to protect myself from those who do love money and who are trying to enslave us. What do you make of that Bible passage and anything I just said? Well, as, as I pointed out earlier, the, the description of when that time frame it's talking about is literally the day of wrath, the very end of days, of all days. He's talking about those who have hoarded it up, those who are trafficking in the very souls of men who have put their faith in this money to save them. And it's a very different thing than somebody that's providing for their family's needs. Because at the end of the day, one of those things I used to always carry around with me is ancient coins. I love ancient coins and I'm always fascinated by them because to me, they, 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 they still, if you, if ask anyone, they still have this value to them. When you go and pick up like a silver shekel, I don't have any right here with me, but a silver shekel, I have a widow's might. I have all of these coins. Like you read about in the scripture, because one of the things I always want to show people is like the Bible is a reliable historical text. And these are actual pieces of evidence that that should be in our archaeological coffers. And they are in a lot of places around the world, but they've been very strategically scrubbed from ours. But when you look at something like a Tyrian shekel, like one of the pieces, 30 pieces of silver that Yeshua was betrayed by Judas with. These these coins, you can literally watch the devaluing and the defacement of these currencies over time. Like we have in the historical texts and we have in the historical record what happens to a society as they begin to devalue their currency and begin to take out the silver. And so one of my favorite teaching tools to show people is the currency going from pure silver and going down all the way into what is ultimately a copper coin and a copper aloe coin to where the denarius, which used to be, for those of you that are unfamiliar with this term, it was considered a day's wages. How much a man was paid for a day's labor. Like you and I might think about a hundred or a couple hundred dollars for a man's daily wages. Well, back then that was represented by a single coin. And so for myself, these were one of those pieces that I always wanted to physically hold on to. Like what was it? What was the real value of it? Because if you go back into the scriptures, you can see that there's these divine commandments given in the Torah, the loving and instructions of Yahuwah, that that there was a bride price, for instance. If a man wanted to, to, to take a woman to be his bride, you hear about these, these amounts in silver that he had to pay to her father as a means to protect her, not only her. So the father would hold on to this money so that should there ever be in the future a divorce or a breaking up of the vows in any capacity, it would provide for her a security and it provided for the family value for the woman because she was providing such a service to the home that it was a massive deficit for a young woman to be taken away. Like I have friends who have older daughters, large families, nine children, and those older daughters literally help to raise the other children. The more children you have, this is literally why it says Children are an inheritance from Yahuwah. The fruit of the womb is your reward. Like arrows in the hands of a mighty man, so are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. This should be one of those goals in our society is to have many children. It was synonymous with an inheritance. It was like you're describing with Owen Benjamin. His his perspective on that is absolutely spot on because the perspective of this world hates children. When you live in a city, 
by all intents and purposes, children become a burden. But when you live in the country, when you live on a farm, when you live on a homestead, children are contributors. They add value and they're co-laborers with you. They're inexplicably precious to you. They are absolutely precious. Like my child, my daughter, Naomi, she helps to take care of my home in such an unbelievably helpful way. She is so valuable to me. And you know what? To like, the trade of what I would have had to give, I would have given my daughter Naomi to my family so that they could act out their pedophilic lusts on her in order for me to have access to their silver and gold. Literally part of my inheritance and my family trust was the Reynolds silver. And you must understand something. Wealth was held in silver and gold for perpetuity for my family. That is a way of securing generational wealth. Land, estates, and gold and silver was synonymous with the forms of how they secured wealth because you can take a gold belt buckle and you can travel internationally and you can take that anywhere in the world and it is valuable. And so I encourage people that if they are going to look at silver and gold, there is a good valuable benefit to eating on silver and gold. Let me tell you, that was one of the fundamental things I grew up experiencing was yes, a silver spoon in my mouth because the silverware that people so often take and they pawn and they melt off is incredibly valuable. You don't need to have your silver and your gold sitting in a safe. Go have it cast down and made into bowls and plates and utensils. Use it. Trust me, you'll get a lot more benefit like physiologically in your body by eating with it, by drinking out of it. It will imbue into your body desperately needed minerals that your body can't get in any other fashion. And so that's something to consider. And so much of my pursuit in my life is trying to learn those skills. Like I said earlier, one of the greatest resources that came along early on on my journey, I was trying to learn how to become a shepherd. I wanted to learn the value of, like you said, a skill that would have been devoid for me. And so that began by shepherding another lady who had a one-acre homestead. She traded my place for me to park with my RV at the time for a place where I took care of her goats. I became a goat shepherd. And you know what? I learned more lessons in a matter of a couple months by living it out experientially than I could ever articulate to somebody in a 40-minute YouTube YouTube video. There is skills that are contained on something like learning to ranch. And this is Greg Judy, by the way. His book is called No Risk Ranching, Custom Grazing on Leased Land. He shows you in this book how to utilize one of the most underutilized assets that a lot of people do hold. There's many people who own land and it just sits there idly because they don't have the time nor the energy nor the mental accolades to do anything with it. And so he walks you through a lot of the process of developing a piece of land, of working on a leased property that and how he develops it, putting fencing around it, and then bringing in cattle and moving them with high-intensity grazing to mimic what happens in nature so that they're, they're on grass but not for too long. And by their doing that, they're regenerating this organic material that should be in the soils, that used to be in our soils. Because from time immemorial, societies empires, I should say, they made their money by conquest. And they did that by depleting the battery bank of the organic compounds that were within a soil. They depleted the land of its natural resources until it was so exhausted that it had resorted back to this desert. That's why even if you look at that map of the United States, and if you can if you can even understand something, just 150, almost 200 years ago, the landscape that you and I see today looks nothing like what it used to be. They have depleted this down and systemically eradicated what used to be some of the most fertile soils that have ever been documented in the world, like in the in the in the bread basket, like we call it today, there was a hundred and fifty to two hundred foot deep layers of topsoil. I'm talking about organic, nutrient dense topsoil that have now been de- depleted to a couple of inches, and that's through so many of these industrialized, big agricultural forms of of agriculture that have stripped the land of everything. And by doing so, this is why we're so deficient of all these minerals and these vitamins, and we're so weak and we're easy to control but we can build it back. And this is, Greg Judy does an incredible job of being able to explain how you can do that with a couple of animals and growing a herd. He started with very, very little. He started by leasing land. And y'all, he has been entrusted with so many people's properties that are now million dollar properties that have been given to him with lifelong leases and others that he's built a herd. His genetics and his herd are some of the most sought after in the entire world in a matter of a couple of decades. That man, now has the ability to leave to his children generational wealth that keeps getting better over time. Just when you thought it was safe, 
Interest rates spiked, and new threats have come out of nowhere. Tensions are boiling from Asia to Europe, and adapting to this turmoil is the key to safeguarding your wealth. Perhaps you've not considered gold before, but now is the time. It's insurance, and right now, you need some insurance. Noble Gold Investments has been protecting investors from disaster for years with precious metals. So if you're worried, it might be time to take a fresh look at gold and silver. Gold is a multi-century proven safe haven to shield your portfolio. And right now, Noble Gold Investments is offering a free three-ounce silver American virtue coin with its new IRAs this month. If you open your Noble Gold Investments IRA or 401k rollover right now, you can claim your coin today. Remember, crisis brews, gold insulates. Secure yourself and your portfolio against the threats. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com right now. noblegoldinvestments.com. It's the gold company I trust. That man now has the ability to leave to his children generational wealth that keeps getting better over time. Man, that's neat. Guys, are you noticing a theme here? We wanted to lighten tonight's show up just a little bit with good news because we all are being hit by, you know, multi-vector weapons, right? We're being hit by GMOs, right? They're bastardizing our food. That's not helping the situation. They're hitting us with bioweapons masquerading as vaccines. They're spraying the skies. Uh, It's just an endless litany of crimes against humanity. And they're bastardizing our money. So I want to play that clip in just one second. You were talking about the Romans and how they started to clip their coins. Now, I don't have this in front of me to prove it quantifiably that it's true, but I've talked to many people, Bix Weir and others, who have told me that back in the day, the average pay for a Roman soldier was one-tenth ounce of silver. One-tenth ounce of silver today is about $2.50. It's not going to feed you for very long. That's how much they've destroyed our money. So with that in mind, I want to play this clip from Jamie Dimon and Demon Viper Elizabeth Warren. Mr. Diamond, you've been CEO of J.P. Morgan for almost two decades. Can you explain why crypto is such an attractive financial tool for terrorists, drug traffickers, and rogue nations? I've always been deeply opposed to crypto, Bitcoin, etc. You pointed out the only true use case for it is criminals, drug traffickers, anti-money laundering, tax avoidance, and that is a use case. Uh, because it is somewhat anonymous, not fully, and because you can move money instantaneously and because it doesn't go through, as you mentioned, all these systems have been built up over many years, know your customers, sanctions, OFAC, it's, they can get bypass all of that. I, if I was the government's, I'd close it down. If I was the government's, I'd close it down, to which Elizabeth Warren, that demon creature who is in service of the big banks, let's be clear on that, She says, okay, very excitedly, because that's exactly what she wants to hear. Why am I playing that when we're having a conversation about gold and silver? Well, because in a minute, I want to play a clip from El Salvador's new president, Nayib Bukele, who was on Tucker, and he's speaking the truth. He's a Christian, and he just made Bitcoin legal tender. Now, I'm not proselytizing about Bitcoin, but a lot of folks who watch my channel think that Bitcoin is evil. No, what's evil is J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon and Elizabeth Warren saying, you don't have the right to have Bitcoin. You must take our central bank digital currency. You see the problem there, Nathan? Indeed. And so so much about this is orchestrating a different method of control to be able to keep people from participating in a gray economy, because ultimately that's what Bitcoin and these other currencies provide, even a form of what gold and silver does in a different country. But really, these currencies that are outside of the same parameters of control, they allow you to be able to go somewhere and make acquisitions of things that are not registered. And ultimately, this is what keeps people from having to participate in a system. Like Not so long ago, y'all, we had an entire society that blacklisted people who didn't want to put something on their face. You were literally not allowed to go into certain stores because you weren't willing to participate and consent to something diabolical. This was just just months ago for all intents and purposes. And so quickly we have gone back to being lulled into a slumber of forgetting this. But even just overseas, in China today, 
already instituted is a social credit scoring system where people literally, if they want to go up to a gas station to get gas, they have to go in and scan their biometrics and check their social credit score, which is a score that is given to you by algorithmic based logic systems that determine whether or not you are adding value to the society in accordance with what they say you can say and can't say on any of your social media platforms at any given time or not. And if you don't pass that test, you literally cannot get gas at the gas station. You literally cannot check out at the grocery store. And you cannot do any of those things unless you do have something like a central backed digital currency. But this opens the doors for those tendrils of control to be able to infect and infiltrate these other arenas of society where people have been able to abstain from that system and use tools outside of it. Well, that's the case I'm making. We want tools outside of this centralized power base of the U.S. Federal Reserve and the central banking family, the House of Rothschild. See, that's what Bitcoin is. And I'm not going to proselytize about Bitcoin. I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm just saying, and I'll play this next clip, that men like President Bukele of El Salvador are telling the truth about that which is destroying our nation. So I'm going to play this clip, and I just want you all to keep in mind the fact that this man made Bitcoin legal tender in El Salvador, and he rounded up and he arrested all of the gangbangers. They're now in prison, and El Salvador is having a resurgence of liberty and family and Christianity, and the economy is booming. Here's what this evil man, evidently, those of you who hate Bitcoin, this is what Bukele has to say about what he's watching happen in our country. The demise of the U.S. has to come from within. The enemies have to be inside, not not really outside. No, no, no external enemy can, could can cause so much damage as internal. It's an internal operation. And you're here, and you're watching internal operations here. You you can see them in, the, in cities, cities that were pristinely beautiful thirty years ago, are wastelands right now. You would see people. I mean, I'm from El Salvador, third world country in Central America. And myself, I can see cities here and say, I don't want to, I want to live here. So that, that would be unthinkable three decades ago. Totally unthinkable. That a Salvadoran wouldn't want to live in a U.S. city, in a U.S. main city. I mean, Los Angeles, San New York, Francisco, Chicago. Yeah. Well, uh, Philadelphia, Baltimore. When you look how the cities are eroding so fast, this has to be by design. I mean, who, who, I mean, who would make so many stupid decisions? Like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna give you money for drugs. Really, they're mm-hmm. doing that. In some cities, they're giving people drugs. I mean, they're literally giving people drugs in some U.S. cities. Or they say, okay, we're gonna give you money if you don't work. Or we're gonna, you know, they make all of these laws that make no sense. They make no sense unless you want to destroy your own country, unless you're bought and paid for by these money masters. And that's the point I want to make. By the way, one last comment, and then I'll turn you loose, Nathan. This man, Bukele, just had every single person in his cabinet and the highest level ministers in his government gather with him. And he explained to them that his legacy was going to be one of truth and goodness for the people of El Salvador. It would not be a legacy of corruption and theft because the money does not belong to the politicians. And he warned each and every one of them that the AG, the attorney general, would be investigating their backgrounds for evidence of corruption and bribery and criminality. And as long as they're not guilty, they have nothing to worry about. Now compare and contrast that third world leader with Joseph Robinette Biden and his administration, Nathan. I think something that he said in there that most moved me was the deliberate destruction from within. This is the the premise of understanding that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And we have seen the very fabric of our nature be used and weaponized against us. There was a, a deep and insidious need for people to fund black budget operations in this country. And when you go back just a little bit, I love that he said they're literally giving people drugs in order to destroy the fabric of their cities, of their culture. Our government literally 
designed drug trafficking operations, facilitated finance, and fomented wars in other countries, toppling of dictators, and eradication of places like where that man is from with the banana wars. They became corporate cartel, hitman for hire. The economic hitman of the world were coming from our country, and they were bringing in these very drugs. Like Not long ago, you go back to Iran-Contra as one very publicized case of it, but not long ago before that, you can go back to the Clinton Chronicles. And you just keep doing this time and again. Like so many people, I was just having a conversation with a friend recently talking about my buddies in Afghanistan who were guarding poppy fields and who are allowing trucks that were loaded down with heroin to export the country that the United States military went to Afghanistan. One of the predominant reasons that they went there was to facilitate and cultivate a drug trade of the poppy fields, heroin. The, the use and the exposition of heroin out of Afghanistan under the direction of the United States military has boomed in that country like never before. Thousands and thousands of times the previous production rates of those drugs, those opioids coming over here and fomenting, being given out like candy in the early 2000s. They created this unbelievable nightmare here in the United States where doctors were literally dispensing it out like Pez dispensers. And then when they wanted to turn it off, they turned it off and legislated it away to stop all the epidemic after hundreds of thousands and millions of people were dead and cities and towns were a completely obliterated. It's the same model of what was used to eradicate people out of Brooklyn and turn it in to the projects and turn these areas that had successful nuclear-based families where fathers were fathers and mothers were mothers, where people were hardworking and laborious that were providing good value to their neighborhood and their society. And instead, one of the economic tools that they came in and did, they defunded the police. They defunded the fire departments. They took turned off the trash services. By doing those three things in and of themselves and nothing else, you can very quickly deteriorate a neighborhood, a nice neighborhood, into a literal trash heap. Look at San Francisco as like a beta run for it on a large scale, like one of those mass cities he's alluding to that you wouldn't want to walk down at all. You want to talk about businesses have fled from the downtown arenas of San Francisco like rats in a sinking ship. They have gotten out of there because the the drug addiction, the homelessness, the the blatant sexuality and promiscuity is so in your face and it's so dangerous to occupy that you don't want to live there anymore. And this is by design that it's getting to a place where so many people like where I'm from in Denver, Colorado, I have family members who who have stayed they stayed there but i i truly sincerely believe denver is the capital of the new world order and it will all get centralized back into that place and when they made it a sanctuary city and they began to bus in and ship in all of these people and they began to make it no longer a crime for them to commit crime to commit all of these thefts and arson and trespassing they began to decriminalize these statutes that insulated people from these criminal behaviors it's instead turned that city into a refugee camp it's unbelievable how fast you can deteriorate a, a society and for those of you that are watching this that don't experience this on a regular basis understand that there are hundreds of millions of Americans Americans who wake up today and have absolute lawlessness outside of their doors, that they are trapped in a society that does not serve their better interests, that has no means of contending against this darkness. That's why there is this massive transference of the population from California up into the Northwest, where you have people relocating into Montana and Idaho and scattering all over the country, like even out where I'm at in the Ozarks. There's been a massive flood of people who are fleeing that persecution, who are fleeing that degradation of their society, and they're seeking out places of refuge. They're seeking out places where they can raise their family and, and hold on to a bastion of hope that they can raise their family in a place of authenticity and sovereignty like we once held for granted, like we once took for granted. But the truth is vast majority of you guys do need to exfiltrate out of the cities as much as you can in as any means as you can because it is far more valuable what you can cultivate on an acre of land and what you can cultivate in raising your family outside of that system. Like my wife this morning is homeschooling my children. Do you know how precious it is to have my wife home. She can make a lot more money. She can make six figures easily as a nurse. She had 10 years in the nursing field. She's a very successful woman, 
brilliant woman. She could be a career woman of the career women. But instead, I'm literally watching her teach my seven-year-old daughter reading and writing arithmetic. She's teaching them the scripture. She's teaching them morality. She's teaching them how to raise a home and tend to children and take care of life and recipes and baking with food. She's teaching them how to shop for high-quality nutrition-based foods, how to read the labels on their clothing so they're not being poisoned by the fabrics that they're wearing, how to navigate the in inevitable onslaught of psychological warfare. Like we literally go on field trips. I teach my children how to operate in the gray economy because you know what? For a lot of years, I just went out into the black operations of the society that I was in. I learned from an early age that you could work in between the perceptions of people's society. So I teach my children how to get resources from the, the waste bins of places, like literally how to dumpster dive in some places, but how to build relationships like we go to a butcher shop. Instead of going to the store to buy our meat, I take them to the butcher who's out in the forest, right? Where guys take their deer to and their sheep and their cows. And I teach them how you can get a relationship with the butcher and you can find all of these other products like hides and horns and skulls and and meat that's not been processed and neutered and vaccinated and injected with death that's been dry aged for 21 or 48 dates. Stuff that in New York City, they'll sell to people for $150 a pound. You can get out at a local butcher shop for pennies. You know, I'm trying to teach them these skills that are truly valuable because it's going to make them able to navigate in a society where it's illegal for them to abstain, where it's illegal, where you become the persecuted persons. And instead, we must learn how to unite with each other, how to find camaraderie and friendship and unification on the core values that we do hold dear, because that is the currency that we must learn to utilize, which is relational wellsprings of love and of truth and of conviction. By doing so, we will become richer than they could ever imagine because there is no blood guilt to keep us awake at night. There is, we can lay down and sleep in peace because we know that Yahuwah causes us to dwell in safety. There is no rest for the wicked. I assure you of this, they will fall into the pit that they are digging. Their foot will be taken by the snare of their own design. From your lips to God's ears, and let me just say, maybe on behalf of the audience, certainly on behalf of the way I'm feeling, what you just described, the way you're raising your family, makes me envious. Living life the way it has always been lived, at least until fairly recently, with this modern technocratic society. And, you know, if you go to your nine to five, which today is more like an eight to seven, I mean, people are being worked to the bone. You come home and you're too tired to do those things with your children. Families are being torn apart by this system. But get this, it gets worse. And stay tuned, guys. Before we part ways, I'm going to show you what the New World Order wants for you and your family. I'm going to show you in black and white, literally, where they want to take you and your family. It was predicted in 1927. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. I'll show you at the end of this interview with Nathan Reynolds. But let me show you this. The way you live right now is probably not how Nathan and his family lives. We'd all aspire to live that way, living off the land, having real knowledge and real wealth. However, the way most of us live as Americans, these people, the man you're seeing right here, despise. They don't want us even living the way we live. So COP28, people like this guy, Ted Rose, King Charles, Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, and yes, John Kerry, the skull and bonesman. Well, here's what they want to do, guys. They want to turn off your access to fuel, and they've already shut off the fertilizer. So guess what? Starvation will soon be at our doorsteps. Here's Ted Rose. WHO calls on leaders from government and industry to work together to phase out fossil fuels urgently and accelerate the transition to clean energy. Fossil fuels, coal, oil, and gas are by far the largest contributor to global climate change accounting for over 75% of greenhouse gas emissions. Winning the world of fossil fuels is therefore the only way for countries to meet their commitment to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. This is a public health imperative. Guys, you just can't make this up. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. You just can't make this up. Carbon emissions in the atmosphere, carbon is like a fraction of a fraction of a percent of the stuff in the air. And by the way, it's good for plants, which produce oxygen. This is an anti-human death cult. They've already turned off the fertilizer, and now they're coming for your fuels. And when they turn off your fuels, the stuff they call fossil fuels, and by the way, it's not from dead dinosaurs, they <laughs> are going to bring you to your knees. 
Nathan, you just can't make this stuff up. This is an anti-human <laughs> cult. It's a death cult. This is it's it is the green gospel of the eugenicists at its finest. You know, at the end of the day, it's it it's almost satirical at this point in our life to be able to watch this play out because 15, 20 years ago, people were throwing rocks at us saying, you know, you guys are a bunch of nut jobs and conspiracy theorists. And here we are living on the precipice of a time where the collective world leaders are describing a means with which to stop the world from breathing. And ultimately, like even a few years ago, I got invited down to speak at a sacred word conference down in Atlanta, Georgia. And we went out to the Georgia Guidestones. And, you know, this is literally the embodiment of the green gospel in its entirety. Those stones, by the way, which were obliterated and then seemingly never investigated as to what brought them toppling down. Isn't that most peculiar, Sean? I uh, I definitely thought there was going to be a blackballing of all kinds of people in the industry. But those things said, design a society and keep it in perpetual harmony and balance with nature and maintain a population of 500 million people fundamental to the eugenics movement is finding ways to deliberately kill off billions of people that is without question you must never lose sight that they hate death that's why i describe the great red dragon that dragon of old as that truly ancient hate because he has made his war with those who guard the commandments of Yahuwah and keep the testimonies of Yeshua. They are absolutely diabolically committed to all things that are natural, that all things that are life. They have found a way to infect this society with stupidification in every level to where we are convincing people that things that are coming out of their exhaust pipes, things that are coming out of the rear end of a cow are the major cause of changing weather patterns. Seriously, that they think that that is the driving force with which it is influencing our society and our world and the, the rivers. Like I traveled around this entire country and I parked alongside rivers and oceans that have not moved an inch. They have not. They truly have not. But those same prophets of Baal were shouting out 20 years ago that these islands were going to disappear. And yet I read in the scriptures very plainly that Yahuwah sets the levels of the sea. He commands the waves of the sea and they will not go beyond it. There is never going to be a cataclysm like that apart from him authorizing it. And assuredly, they have based their entire premise on a fallacy. However, they have engineered a society to believe that green gospel, to believe it just like they believed in evolutionary ideology of this subspecies of man, this humankind that they've tried to degrade us down to. But the truth is we can set ourselves free with pertinent and precise information information because you know what as much as they want to limit these things i live in an area i'm just going to say it super transparently like i traveled around the world as a spy looking for people that are the resistance fighters i want to know where the remnant are like where are the holdovers the people that have refused to move like the people that absolutely draw a line in a sand and they say i will never compromise for that I will never participate in that kingdom. I, you cannot have my children, nor their body, nor can you have things like my wood stove. I live in an area out here in the Ozarks where I have encountered many people like that. But what's beautiful is I have traveled all over this country and I have found pockets of resistance budding, blooming, multiplying all over the place. Because as those people that abstain from participating in that system, those who have seen the writing on the wall and have fled from those tyrannical systems and have left them. You know what? They've suffered a lot. There's a lot of people who struggle. I will tell you what, there is no way around it. Going out and trying to live on a homestead and grow your own food, it is brutal. It is absolutely worse than your, you can even imagine. You're going to screw it up terribly. You're going to lose a lot of money and you're going to lose a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. But you know what you're producing is you're breaking the generational curse. You're breaking the curse that our fathers did not break generation before us. They should have given us a proper inheritance that wasn't bought and paid for by the globalists. They should have given us the tools that we needed to be successful instead of giving us bondage and debt and told us to go buy into the American dream where you can work real hard and get a good job and go to a nice college and have all that debt and buy a nice house and take on all that debt. And you and your wife can work the rest of your life in moderate mediocrity and you'll be slaves in the system forever. Like they gave us the American dream. And you know what? We are a generation that's waking up saying, surely 
Our fathers inherited lies and vanities. We have to cast those vanities off and we have to understand what it takes in order to work hard by the sweat of our face so we can eat real bread, like fresh milled flour. Like we can eat the bread to satisfaction so that like those soldiers you're describing back in the days of Rome, They understood what currency was. And so when I read the book of Revelation, when I studied the end times and I studied about the famine and the war and the beasts of the earth and these things that were going to take place, I saw in there that there was great value placed on wheat and barley to where a denarius bought you a a loaf of bread, a day's wages for one loaf of bread and a day's wages for three loaves of barley. And it launched me into this study that has just captivated my life about what is real bread, because the bread that you're eating right now is absolutely death. If you eat it only, you will die. But if you eat fresh milled flour, you will literally has every vitamin, mineral, amino acid you really need to live. It has everything you need in it. Barley, if you eat barley, it has the highest source of beta glucan, which is the most radio protective element that you can put in your body. It's a literal shield for electromagnetic warfare. It will shield your body and insulate you and protect you. When you eat these foods, it gives your mind the capacity. It gives your body the nutrients, the wealth that it needs in order to contend against this system and give you the ability to have your intellect come back. And so for me, these are the tools that I see waiting if we would abstain from participating in that system and try to learn these ancient pasts. Let me just put it clearly though. I do not not currently live a dream lifestyle where I'm on a homestead and I'm farming like that. I don't have that right now. We lived five years in the RV and traveled to other people's properties, but our home was devoured by mold and it nearly killed my wife. And so we have had to leave that entire lifestyle behind and try to do everything we can to get her healthy and get her restored and take care of our twin babies that have been born unto us. And you know, during that, I realized that this is the most powerful tool that we can ever have is to use these weapons of our warfare, like this information, like this microphone I'm using has has saved the lives of more people and is being an instrumental tool to help set captives free. And so I encourage you, even if you're already stuck in that system, if you're still stuck in it, there's still decisive moves that you can make. Like we have a playlist series called Becoming a Millenite, where we talk about a lot of these things that we've learned along the way about what grass-fed beef and and grass-fed bison and the, the nutrients that are available in, in, in microgreens and all of these different things that we can do right now to make a difference in our lives and the lives of those around us. God bless you, my friend. Hey, I got something for you. You were talking about traveling around and trying to figure out where those patriots are that would not compromise and would not stand down to evil and would not give up their progeny nor their land. I've got one for you. I'm sure you're familiar with the story. The Bundy Ranch Standoff. So 2014, the U.S. Bureau of Land Management tried to seize the cattle of this good man, and they ended up killing him, Clive Bundy. And I just want people to understand that his son, his surviving son, Ammon Bundy, is a very, very good man who continues to be persecuted, who has been drummed out of his house and his land, and they want to put him in prison, all for defending a baby that wasn't even his. So guys, we have to stand together, or surely we will all hang separately. But Ammon Bundy... He's a proud man. He's not going to ask for your help, but I'm here to tell you he needs it. Okay, as promised, where do they want to take us? These demon creatures, these people who embrace the ancient evil and the radical intelligent evil that controls this world and controls them. Where does Tedros and Klaus Schwab, where does Bill Gates want to take us? It was predicted in the 1927 film by Fritz Lang, Metropolis. This, my friends, is what they have in store for you and your family if you comply. Nathan, my friend, I'm going to sound that under as we say our goodbyes, but this is the underground working class as depicted in Fritz's movie, Metropolis in 1927, the rich and the wealthy, the fraction of 1% that control the planet right now. This is what they want for all of us, at least those of us who might survive their depot plans, Nathan. You know, but at the end of the day, as much as they might want to make this into their reality, and they have made it into their reality for so many there is always those that will resist. And at the, that is who we're driving for. That is why we are out here trying to blow the shofar, trying to warn those to see the inevitable writing on the walls that, you know what, you do not have to continue on in this drudgery, that you can be no longer a brick in Babylon. Like my wife used to wake up in the morning when she was working that job at, at this hospital in Denver on Colfax Avenue, this horrible, decrepit job. And she used to wake up screaming F my life every day. And she realized, she said to me, I'm a whore for the money, honey. That's all I am. 
I am a whore for the money. I am a slave in this system. And I looked at her and I realized that she was a brick in Babylon. That's all she was. I was just that. I worked in the field of psychology for 10 years and there was no way that there was anything else to us. They could fire us. Like my boss threatened to fire me because I encouraged one of my participants to read Psalm 91 to stop his alien abductions and these sleep paralysis, these nightmares that he was having. And it cured him overnight. But because I didn't tell him to take his prescribed drugs, his pharmacia, his sorcery, I was threatened to be fired there. And fundamentally, we began to realize that as long as we stay in the system, as long as we stay debtors to the debt, stay slaves to our debt, we're never going to be able to get out of this. But you know what? We are out here trying to testify to people that you can get out, that you can call upon the most high, the judge of all the earth to deliver you, to ransom you, to buy you out of your bondage. Because that voice crying out in the wilderness, it was when those people, those mothers and those fathers cried out to him thousands of years ago that he hearkened to their voice, that he sent his deliverers. He raised up judges. He raised up mighty men and women of valor to cast off the tyrants and renew the people's hope again. And you know what? That is our duty on the wall is to continue to shout out a warning about the wicked and their machinations and to point them to the cure found in his word and found in authentic human relationships and living vibrantly. You're one of my favorite guests. I love having you on, Nathan. Thank you so much. I want to pay it forward and show your website. And I'd like people to support you. Perhaps we can get you back on one of those farms so that you and your family can live properly once again. Order the copy of his book today, guys. He'll sign it for you. Snatched from the Flames. That's the website, snatchedfromtheflames.com. Nathan, how much is a book? You're a little too generous sometimes. I guess people can just pick a price, plus you'll sign it. Come on, that's too cheap. You know, it's everything I've given is is very costly to produce, but at the end of the day, I, I didn't want anybody to be... It says in the scripture to buy the truth and not to sell it. So I wanted to make sure it was always available to those that needed it at whatever their price. So a signed copy is $30, yes, but you can name your own price for the uh, ebook, the audiobook, or if you want to buy it as well, uh, you can buy just a traditional copy as well there. Um, but you guys can make donations through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, any ways that you guys would like to um, to support us because you know what? It is truly the many the generosity of many others that has helped to provide for my family means to do this. And we have many plans and, and ideas on what we can do to be more effective and deliberate at, at making advancements out there, but we wait on the Father. We take our request to Him in private in secret. And we ask that, that he meets our needs. And you know what? He's been faithful to do that. But that's why we don't try to merchandise others. You know, We trust that you guys know how to do that all, all your own, if you'd like. Nathan, I want to thank you so much for your time again. And I'll remind people, in two weeks, you'll be back with more truth. Truth that's too strong and too courageous and too filled with integrity to be on YouTube. Thank you so much, Nathan. Thank you. All right. God bless you, sir. And God bless your beautiful family. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in. I'll remind you every single day for free, we work tirelessly to bring you the truth from sources, real news sources we trust at sgtreport.com. That's where you'll get the antidote to corporate propaganda, the fascist tactics and lies of Tedros, the World Economic Forum, the New World Order, Bill Gates, and Klaus Schwab. Guys, thanks so much for being here. May God bless you and your family. Bye-bye. The Federal Reserve has realized that uh, a CBDC right now is not something that the public will accept. Uh, it will fail. It will bomb. Uh, in recent em- academic papers that they've released in the last two, three months, they've uh, essentially abandoned the idea of a central bank digital currency in the United States.